You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. And we're, we're doing this today, this bonus episode, this Feedback Friday, which we're going to debut today. We're doing it without a pilot, Judd. Declan is on a, a I trust short you. vacation. I trust to you. See some family. And he's like, "Do you guys want me to get a fill-in producer?" And we're like, "I mean, no, you were like, no. I, I would have gotten one. You said <laughs> no, I, I can do it myself." And so you are, you are in charge of the jet. And let's just say, I, I think you're fine as long as the plane is off the ground. And so I think, as far as flying it, you're fine. The question, well, yeah, is, that's the thing. Yeah, can, I, the, the question now is, can you land this puppy? I'm like the inflatable co-pilot in the movie Airplane. Like it's you know getting the plane off the ground with today's modern technology is not that hard. Where where Declan comes in and where you and I fall far far short even though I do have a production background is everything that happens once the plane is in the yeah. air and as it lands and then goes back to the gate and then gets ready to fuel up for tomorrow. Like those are all the things that I'm worried about yeah. later today. Can, can you land the plane and I <laughs> got serious know. doubts but you know what? I don't know. We got to see if we can land now. <laughs> We've taken off. So uh, you can you can find, by the way, uh, Action Movie Rewind, and you can find Declan and I talking for about 20 minutes with WWE superstar Natalia on Mackie and Judd. But uh, we thought it'd be fun. We've been doing a couple different variations of that. We've done Ask Mackie and Judd in the past. We just we love to incorporate feedback from you guys, whether you hate us or love us. We love to. We're always on Twitter. Um, it's been fun growing our Score North YouTube channel and our Purple Daily YouTube channel, so we always check out the comments there. So we're going to do this Feedback Friday where we're just going to take in some of the comments and questions that you guys have sent to us on Twitter or uh, just perusing through the Score North YouTube channel comments. And we'll start with this one right here from uh, Lightning11 on Twitter. And he's responding to something Twins-related that one of us posted. He tagged both of us. He goes, how to fix the Twins? This mm-hmm. is his six-step process for how to fix the Twins, who are now, what, 12 games below 500? Yes. After yeah, losing after again last night? Last night's disaster. Yeah. Step one, force Polad to sell to ownership that cares. Step two, fire Falvey and Levine. Step three, fire Baldelli and all of the coaches. Step four, fire all player development coaches. Step five, fire all the scouts. And step six, trade all the players. Um, how do you feel about Lightning 11's plan to fix the Twins? Wait, hold on. <laughs> I thought you were going to give me a six-part plan that would involve uh, retooling the bullpen and maybe a trade <laughs> or two. So basically, it's it's two parts. It's one or it's three parts. It's um it's force the pull ads to sell. It's fire everybody from Falvey and Levine and Rocco on down, and then it's trade all the players. Uh <clears throat> I think you call that an expansion team. I mean, after what Celestino did in center field last night, and I get that they're in a jam. They're you know they've got like ten guys on the injured list that matter, um, and so they they call Celestino up. He's one of their top ten or fifteen prospects, but he's never played above Double A, and he hasn't even played that much at Double A. I don't think. Yeah. 
And so he's up in the major leagues yesterday, and him and Larnick, I mean, Larnick is like, has barely played above double A. So both, I mean, Larnick's been off to a decent start, but those guys converge in left center field in a close game, stare at each other, stare back at the ball. Celestino jumps in, ball bounces off his glove. It's like, all right, that's a problem. And then he goes and picks the ball up and just frustratingly, lazily, lazily that's throws the, the ball back, like just randomly throws the ball back towards second base, and then yep. the circus commences. So and after after that play, I look at this six-step plan, and I'm like, it seems a little aggressive, but honestly, anything's in play after that play last night. Yeah, I mean, that, that play was disgusting. Um, I, I guess I'm struggling here a little bit because – you know, certainly that six-step uh, plan or three-step plan is probably overly harsh. We could all agree on that. But here's where I'm struggling. Um, and I don't know how to rectify this now. Like, like, I, like I'm sort of lost. Am I crazy? Like, are we nuts? Or is there a seemingly a semi-large faction of people who are, like, trying to, I don't know, dismiss this as the right word, but it's like they're... Um, is twins truthers the right word? It's like they're brainwashed. It's like they're in the cult of twins. And it's like, well, Celestino, you know, I mean, he shouldn't be here. And he dropped a ball. He helped drop a ball that if you were coaching a little league team, you'd get mad about. Yeah, does uh, he get does he get a pass? Because it's his, like, no, it's but his it, first but two I games mean, in the majors. I mean, the lead to the Star Tribune story is, to, the game story today is the twins are on their sixth center fielder of the season. I don't care if he's your 25th. Like, he literally... And you could see it coming, too. Larnick is in position to catch that ball. And you can see on your TV screen, Celestino getting closer and closer. And it's like, what are you doing, dude? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And sure enough, I mean, that's a Bad News Bears play. That's that's literally, Phil, a, a play that the Bad News Bears, I think, had scripted into their movie to show their incompetence before they obviously came back and turned things around and beat the the Yankees to win their championship. That's that type of play. So I guess on a daily basis, I'm growing more confused about, about a lot of things here. Um, this is a disaster. Like, I know guys are hurt. That's fine. And and look, I'm not dismissing that. But this is a disaster. And, and every time the apologists are like, well, Celestino, he's the sixth guy to play center field this year. I came back with this on Twitter last night. Okay, let's just go down that path. Like, let's go down your path. Celestino didn't belong here, and it's not anybody's fault. Uh, um, Robles walked Carl, uh, Carlos Santana to start the eighth. He's supposed to be, and last time I checked, he's not subbing in for a guy who got hurt. He was signed by you because you said we can turn him around, right? He walked Santana, Dyson runs, steals second, and that whole thing was set off because of that walk. So, like, I don't – the apologists, what are you aiming for here? Um, Just call it like it is. This is a bleeping disaster. Uh, Nobody – Rocco Baldelli's comments after the game on the drop ball are as close as he's going to come to flaming players. I mean, Rocco Baldelli came out as harshly as Rocco can and basically said there's nothing to be learned there. It's not like a play – that's not like a a gaffe where it's like, okay, here's the nuanced thing you didn't do right. Rocco essentially for him ripped the players. Um, the gloves are off here, folks. The apologists just accept that. Like there's no yeah. there's no happy face to put on this crap. It's yeah. crap. Like I told you on I think it was yesterday's show, 
every time something like that happens, it's annoying. But it's a hundred times more annoying because they're zero and eighteen in their last eighteen playoff games too. Like, let's not forget that. Let's not let's not let that slide. Let's not let the organization just be able to shrug their shoulders and well, I mean, it's just you know bad luck or whatever. It's like you guys, it's the worst playoff utility streak in North American sports history. And then you followed it up. In a year in which you're supposed to win like 90 plus games, it's a. I mean, everything about this team screams win now, playoff run, veterans all over the field, right? Uh, it's one of the oldest rosters in baseball, so it's just a veteran laden team, and they're laying this egg against teams like Kansas City and Baltimore. So I think I think the next question we'll get to more feedback here since we're on this tangent though. How do you fix this mess? Like, is this something? I mean, the ship has sailed for 2021. I know there's still people that are clinging to, well, but look at, I mean, we're not this bad. I mean, at some point, you got to make a decision the next three or four weeks if you're going to engage seriously in trade discussions and you're not going to be able to turn your season around. I mean, listen, if they roll off 15 straight wins and get back over 500, all right, let's talk, like the 91 team. But this team doesn't seem to have that type of heartbeat. They don't have a Kirby Puckett. Um, they don't have a Scott Erickson in his prime or a Jack Morris, right? They don't. They don't have those guys. They don't have a closer like Rick Aguilera. So I don't want to hear. Well, in '91, well, that was a that's a different heartbeat of a team. Is this team like? Are you getting 2011 vibes in that? Whoa, the cliff came and it is like a five year rebuild. Or this is I'm sort of on path number two, which is there's still some nice pieces. Kirilov, Larnick, um, the pitching is very much in question. But but you have you have so many things you could trade. Nelson Cruz, I would even say a Buxton or a Barrios with a year and a half left. I almost feel like it's a retooling for 2022-23. Clear out some salary. Where are you at with how to fix this mess? So the 2011 comp does feel familiar in just the falling apart aspect. So, so like there are um, there are things that are reminiscent to me of that. But yes, I don't feel the same way about the future of this club because the problem in 11 was you sort of looked at the system and when guys started to come up, it's like that's it, like that's all. Uh, Larnick, Kirilov, you've definitely got some guys that are going to be productive and be good players. So I don't feel that this is a, okay, now it's going to be six years again. Like, this is lost. I don't feel that. But here's the one thing. Um, The one word that I would use, and this goes back to the playoff defeats to the Yankees and Astros, and now it applies, and that was more of a Rocco thing. And now this applies to the um, um, entire executive staff, Falvey, Levine especially. The word I would use is learn. You need to learn. I don't know why, because uh, these guys aren't dumb. Like, for not for one second, am I getting, going to say, well, they were dumber than I thought they were. I, I still think that they're smart people. Uh, but with smart people, there seem to sometimes be these, um, uh, the impediment seems to be this feeling that they were doing things right or they've got a certain way of doing things. And th- this is sort of a sports thing, too. And there doesn't seem to be the ability to learn. And, and you know, with Baldelli in the playoffs, Phil, it was very clearly starting pitching. I mean, when Maeda and Barrios had those great starts, and you're like, okay, it's time for you to come out. Cody Stashak is our guy here. Yeah, we were all saying no. This no isn't June, things, dude. Right, right. It's it's like it's like uh, Kirilov learned, right, that, that that playoff hockey is a very different thing. And hopefully he grows from that. Well, I would have hoped that going into the 2020 
um, wild card round against the Astros that Rocco would have said exactly what you just said, which is, oh, okay, you know what? In June, Brios is out, but not now. Um, and now I think there's an opportunity, and it, to me, largely starts with the bullpen because the bullpen's not a fluke. Nothing that's happened there is a, a fluke. It's it's misjudgments. It's the thought process that we can rebuild this thing continually because our staff is so good that we'll find flaws. And look, I am all for going to to the garage sale of baseball at times and trying to get pieces. But when that becomes your fallback of it, we'll do that again. That to me be that that's an arrogance that's going to bite you in the ass and firmly has. So I don't think the twins are a lost cause um, in the coming years. I do think they're a lost cause if they don't very much sit down and parcel out the, the team dynamic of this is a lot of bad luck. Okay. Take that one and throw it away. You're going to have bad luck in sports. Mm -hmm. It just happens. So like, don't, don't go to school on bad luck. There's not a thing that can be learned from years like that. But go to school on what you did wrong, and and change and change your philosophies. Would you do this trade that Mark DeRosa from MLB Network threw out? I think this morning on their uh, morning show. So he says Josh Donaldson and fifteen million dollars cash to help eat some of that contract to the Brewers. Donaldson, by the way, you know people. I think three days ago, people were like, "Why is everyone? Why you know? Why are you ripping Sano but not Donaldson?" Well, for one, Donaldson was a former league MVP and has maxed out his prime years. He's old, he's injured, he's rippable, but he's also a great counter adjuster. He's, he's just one of the great studious hitters. And I always kind of felt like, well, he'll, yeah, he's going through a little bit of a slump, but he'll probably adjust like he always has for 10 years. And he has <laughs> like, look at him last night. Yeah. So no, never adjusts. Um, so Donaldson and 15 million in cash to the Brewers. And then the Brewers would send back, Jackie Bradley Jr. Yep. So he, I mean, he's he's thirty. He's fine. He's having a bad season. Uh, he's on a two-year, twenty-four million dollar contract. So you'd have to eat some of that money too. And then the Brewers would send their sixth, according to MLB Pipeline, their sixth best prospect, left-handed pitcher Antoine Kelly. Some background: He's twenty-one now. Hasn't pitched in a game in the minors since two thousand nineteen because he's recovering from thoracic outlet surgery. That's like the sort of the front of the shoulder kind of a deal. So rib, yeah. Phil, Phil Hughes ha- had that same thing. Yeah. He was a, uh, I think he was a former second round draft pick, I want to say. So there's a ton of upside and potential if he's healthy. But would you consider trading if you could, you know, you're not going to get a, a perfect haul for Josh Donaldson, right. but would you consider doing something like this? Yes, this is the exact type, type of trade. Um, I would like to get out from the contract. I don't think that you are going to be in. Or I, it's not think you are not going to be in the window that you thought you were when you signed him to that contract. And that contract was a, you know, at that time, a good gamble. It has not worked. Um, he is because because of Donaldson's problems now with calves and hamstrings and age. I think he is very much a year to year type of player. So if he's going to be healthy, it can go to a team like the Brewers and help them win. That's great. I don't. I don't think it does a lot of good to um, to hold your breath and say, yeah, well, perhaps in the last year of that contract in 2023, JD's going to help us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know that this is the deal that I would do exactly. The Bradley thing defensively, I, I like because it does go back to what we talked about during the winter, which is as long as Byron Buxton is on your team and he is when he's 
uh, play, and he's fantastic. You need a starting caliber center fielder behind him who I think you can stash in like left field because you need this. This is the problem, right? You're uh, <laughs> Kyle Garlick playing center field for the first time since college. Um, Ref Snyder, uh, I don't think had played a game in center until he was put there by the Twins. He had been a corner guy. So Bradley does go very much to what I think, as long as Buxton's going to be uh, your main guy in center, you need a guy that can that can play there and has played there. This is the type of trade that I would do because I would be very interested in getting out from under this contract. Yeah. I don't think Donaldson's shelf life now is big enough to help you with where things are going to be. And I just don't see, Phil, a path where it makes sense to say, well, he'll help us next year. You don't know that. Like, he's got yeah. enough injury problems and age. Um, and, and I saw a tweet back because I, I retweeted that trade idea that said, you know, not nearly enough. Ladies and gentlemen, you're not going to. I mean, if you are talking about it's Zach Parisi like you're talking about a desire to get rid of the contract. So don't think that there's a return there. You're, you're not going to get. And this is the problem, Phil. I don't think you're going to get the return on guys that you really, really think unless it is a Barrios. Yeah, well, and that's possibly why, and, a Buxton, and that's why you kick in more money. You know, if and the, that's the thing, like how willing to so get the prospect. Yeah, how willing is this ownership to like they could probably ship Donaldson to a team that eats all the money and get nothing back, basically. Yep. So, but but yeah, if you're willing to eat 15 million and Jackie Bradley Jr. a year and a half of Jackie Bradley Jr. who's a he's having a bad year, but he's a good player. He's he's sort of a. He's a fourth outfielder on a really good team, but he mm-hmm. can be a, he can start at any of the three outfield positions and he can and he can get hot for, you know, chunks of time. My problem with this type of deal is twofold. Number one, you already have a million outfielders and if you plan on having Byron Buxton back, I guess you could put Jackie Bradley in a starting corner role, but then you know, Kirloff can go to first and then Larnick plays another outfield spot. I don't know what the future of Rooker is. I don't know if he's going to be an everyday player and Kepler. Um, yeah, and then Kepler's in the mid. You're just so log jammed out right. there. But I'm trading Kepler at some point soon. I think that's the thing. Like he even like I would wait till he starts hitting to trade him. These no, are right. That'd be ideal. But I'm I'm just yeah. saying I I've now become convinced that Kepler does not necessarily have a long term future here. He's also 28. At yeah. some point, some of these guys are a lot of these guys. That's the problem. Is we think of them as you you know what this has turned in, into comparable now, largely in this town. The wild core, like a couple years, like ago. Coyle and Grandland, yeah. and go down that whole list. I mean, think about how long we thought that those guys were young kids. It's great, you know. Charlie Coyle's gonna. It's like all of a sudden, Charlie Coyle's not young. Yeah. Uh, Roger Stainslow on the Score North YouTube page comments: Please continue to point out what has gone wrong, but please own up to you guys believing that this team was a World Series contender yeah. and admit your terrible judgment of this team. I will say, in fairness, Roger, we have, and it's possible you've missed the episodes, but in case there's any ambiguity, yes. Judd and I both had them well above like like 94 wins or 92 or so, 96, 96 or for something. Me. Yeah, bring it we, on. Yeah, we were 100% wrong out of the gate. And I think the, you know, there's this autopsy is going to continue for months on <laughs> what happened to this team. But yes. It's a combination of they, their offensive productivity has been so tied to power. Going back to the Bomba squad two years ago, the ball changed for one, 
And so there's just not nearly as much offense going around the league. The Twins don't make nearly enough contact. They've got guys like Sano literally has the second highest strikeout rate of any active player in baseball career-wise and the sixth highest strikeout rate in the history of baseball and only like a handful of pitchers are in front like Lefty Grove or something you know, is is on that list, you know. Um, so they don't make enough contact. They don't get on base enough. And and they're not hitting for the same power they were a couple of years ago. And then you look up and down, it's like Cruz is 40. Donaldson's like 36. Um, so they've got two of their biggest thumpers are just like past their prime. And on the pitching side, I think we all figured, all right, Barrios and Maeda are going to come back and be the same guys. That was wishful thinking. Maeda's been good, but he hasn't been the most durable and it was unfair to think that he could replicate almost winning a signing award last year. I think my mistake was I sort of projected best-case scenario for everything clicking. And what we're seeing is almost across the board, besides Buxton, worst-case scenario in every category. And even Buxton classically has missed five weeks with injuries, right? He's been out yeah. for a month now, and then he missed another week in mid-April. He'll be back soon, I'm sure. <laughs> so, Yeah, no, um, we, I, I screwed up. I predicted 96 wins. Yeah. Grossly, grossly off. Yeah. Uh, Skyhawk 494. Tell it like it is. This is on the, the Score North YouTube page. Tell it like it is. Donaldson has been a total bust. He was signed to add toughness and to lead the Twins to a deeper playoff run. The first time they really needed him last year to step up in the playoffs, he backs out because of his usual calf problem. He, uh, he should have played through it and showed the team he was there for them, even if he only lasted one at bat he would have gained the respect of his teammates. So I actually don't think, like, if he doesn't have the respect of his teammates, I don't think it's because he didn't play through calf injuries. He tried to play through some of that stuff and hurt the team for chunks last year because he just wasn't able to do anything. So I think it's just the guy has chronic calf muscle and leg injury problems. The Twins knew some of that going in. Yeah, They took a risk. This is what happens when you... When you're, I think, rightfully so as a fan base, when you want the ownership to spend money, there's a reason why guys are free agents, right? They're oftentimes yeah. a little older. They're oftentimes in their 30s, and they're going to make a lot. Like the Twins are going to have to pay more money for a guy like Donaldson as they did, or give an extra year or two than uh, than some of the other markets. And so they took a swing. I was fine with it. Still am, but obviously it, yeah, it has been a bust to this point. Yeah, I don't know. You know what? We don't know enough about what uh, transpired behind the scenes to to go go in on him for trying to play or not play. So I can't go there. But yes, I mean the contract has been he has been a disappointment. He's been hurt. He has been um, occasionally effective, but not n- nearly what we thought. Yeah, th- this whole thing has just been a disaster. L- like that, that's my point. Let's just call it like it is. It is a disaster. There's no you cannot put lipstick on this pig. So don't even try. Yes. We were wrong, and it's a disaster. Uh, He has been, in terms of just his hitting, um, he's been a lot better, especially the last few days. Like, you can – when he's been out there – I'm just going to compile this quick here. So he missed what? He missed the – for sure missed the playoff. Don't blink. He missed the two playoff games last year. So he played 28 games last year, 44 this year. Mm-hmm. So baseball reference, uh, 72 games with the Twins. He's batting 240 with a 359 OBP, 464 slugging. His OPS plus is 133. So he's been 
pretty well above average as a hitter since joining the Twins. Offense down across the league. He's been fine defensively, but obviously he missed the most important games for them last year. And um, he was he was pretty cold when he came back from that hamstring injury, too. So Yeah. And defensively, he's not been, this season in particular, has not been as good as I expected. Yeah. Like, there there have been plays he has not, not made, and there have been some bad throws. And, I mean, he's he's still good. But, uh, yeah, this is there is no way that this is the player that the Twins or Twins fans thought that they were getting when, when he signed that contract. I mean, it's just that simple. Uh, Sizzle Man says, if Minnesota like fans it. want a reality check, watch Score North. You want positivity and coddling? Go listen to K-Fluff. Sizzle Man, we appreciate that. We try to keep it. We try to keep it real. We uh, maybe sometimes get carried away once in a while. I never get carried away. I never but, get um, carried away when I see a guy drop a damn baseball because he runs into the left field or little league play. I just don't like. I, it's so funny to me that there are people who are so. 1991. It's been 30 years since one of the four men's teams, the major men's teams, have won a championship. And so there's a lot of people that were born. I was born in 1985. I barely remember the 91 World Series. If you were born in like 1986 or later, you don't have any conscious memory of a men's championship in this town. Correct. And the fact that it, I mean that's it's a third of a century. So we're coming up now. It's we talk about oh man, some of these markets they haven't won a championship since you know whatever in 40, 50 years. Like we're we're approaching that here. We're it's 30 years is no is. That's a long time at this point. I just don't understand the like the the guilt of wow. I don't know. Maybe we're ripping Sano too much, or maybe we're you guys de- raise your bar, demand well, more from some of these franchises. But I blame us because th- this. I think the tone is set by us. I think the tone is set by people in our business who. I mean. Listen to a game on Bally's. I mean, you don't know a thing is wrong. Like, they'll tell you, they'll give you a, a little morsel here and there. But for the most part, you know, well, the Twins, Celestino, you know, he's a young man who shouldn't be here yet. But he has to be because of you're we're constantly, people from our side of the fence are constantly feeding the poor fans um, nonsense. Nonsense. We... A lot of people who set the tone in this market would prefer that you join the cult of the team than actually have a discerning eye for it. And and so I I really feel I, I'll start with us. I'll the reason that we are seen seen as being the the negative Nellies is because think about this. How many other people in town who write or talk about this team bring the reality of the situation to the table? Mm-hmm. Royce certainly does and has for a long time and by the way has gotten backlash for a long time about that uh chip and jim do at times but for the most part you know there is not a lot there's not a lot of of hard conversations had between the media in this town and the fans yeah there's a lot of of pat yourself on the back and pat the team on the back and hope you get them tomorrow yeah i mean like earlier this week I think anyone who follows me on Twitter probably saw some of this back and forth. There was a blogger for a local Twins platform. I'm not I, – I don't need to get into calling specific people or platforms out. But um, but the sentiment was it's lazy BS to call out Miguel Sano as often as some people are. Right? And some people – I, mean, I feel like you and I are probably the only people that are banging the drum – I don't. I guess I don't consume all of Minnesota sports media, but um, 
And I and I and 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 so I, I I retweeted and just wanted to get a feel for it. Wait, okay, is it fair to be criticizing Miguel Sano heavily, or is it is it lazy or or BS or drawn out in some way? And I just find it so shocking that the last four years of Sano, for instance, okay, he had a nice four month run in 2019, and and that brought him to uh, the best season of his career with the 34 home runs. It's actually, the only time he's ever hit 30 home runs in a season because he can't stay healthy, right? But in the other three of those four years, so 2018, 2020, and 2021, ages 25, 27, and 28. So we're talking like right in the heart of your prime. These are the years where you do the most damage as a baseball player, 25 through probably 31, right? And his averages are 199, 204, 154. His on-base percentages are 281, 278, 270, like unplayable numbers with some pop sprinkled in. But even the pop, like his OPS plus has been well below average in two of those four seasons. It was exactly average in 2020 or so. And I just like I look at that and my logical brain says, holy crap. This guy was once the fourth best prospect in all of baseball. He was touted as being by the organization, by scouts outside the organization, by fans, by media as being a pillar of this franchise for a decade, right? And in a year in which they need him more than ever to step up and just carry this thing for like more than two weeks, okay, for more than the 10-day stretch that he always gets hot for. And he's just falling completely flat on his face. And I and he makes $10 million. It's not like he's on a league minimum deal anymore. And I just find it shocking that people think you need to somehow give the guy a pass or a break. Well, why don't you right. spread the criticism around more to other guys? Oh, well, maybe. That's fair. But, like, until we until – we, demand more from ownership front office and players that are at the center of these teams. We don't have to go after their families or anything personal, but like these guys are all big human adults. Like they make a lot of money. They signed up for some criticism here and there. It just feels like, Oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. And this whole team could be ripped. too hard on him for sure. Uh, but here, so, so the Sano thing too is, and here's what I don't get. And, and this will always go back to the fact that like we piled on Maurer, like there was no tomorrow. The thing that I don't get is Miguel Sano, what now through four years back, three years back, I think it's four years back had to be sent to Florida to get himself back in shape during the season. Okay. Like right there. That's a reference point where you're like, okay, when he comes back, there are no more excuses now. Like he didn't, he wasn't hurt. He had to be sent to Florida because he had gotten so fat in the season. Um, right there, it, the question becomes, do you take this seriously? Like, do you really care about this? Because there's a difference between trying to run into a fastball and actually applying yourself. So that that was the first thing to me that was the gigantic red flag that didn't get him a free pass upon his return. The other is, if you watched the telecast last night, I'll give Morneau credit for this. He was essentially begging Sano to go to the plate with an approach. He was begging him. He's like, I mean, he was talking him through it from the broadcast booth in Target Field. He was literally like, okay, it looks like he's doing this, but I mean, he needs to do that. And this is a guy who is damn good and who gets it. Uh and I think the lesson was there is no approach. He has no approach. He just goes up there. And it, this is why, Phil, I told you this. This is the worst thing, and there's been very few players that I've 
I've covered or talked about that I've that I feel this way about. I feel really bad for him. Like I think it's a lost cause. Like he looks completely, completely defeated. And he ran into a ball last night, and sure enough, it went a long way. And they challenged that, or they they asked the umpires to review. Was that really foul? Well, the answer is, of course, it, it wasn't. And then he walked. But I mean, he's over his last twenty-one. I think he struck out something like twelve or fourteen times in those at, at bats. So yeah, I I mean, this has got it. It is not a stretch to say it's pathetic. Yeah, he he will get hot again. Mark sure. my words. Off the record, write that down prediction. It'll happen again probably in a in a week or two. He'll get hot again because he's not, you know, he, he, he that's the amazing thing. He just gets ridiculously hot for like 10 days. By the way, on the Mauer front, uh, last last comment here on this Feedback Friday. Thank you guys for for uh, the interaction, the community. Uh, Doug Kessler says, Mauer got ripped because the expectations of his were that he was our chosen one. He was supposed to lead us to the promised land. Not only did he not do that, but he wasn't a very likable personality on top of it. Maybe you guys are so upset with the teams all the time because you're, you've set unrealistic expectations of what is success. Two things on that. Huh? I, I, there's a lot to unpack here. I hear you on the Mauer front in that he, he was injured for a couple playoff runs. Um, he didn't have any iconic playoff moments, and his teams never – I don't think – after 2000, did he even play in the 04 playoffs? I don't. Th- I think he was hurt in 04. I don't remember. So I don't. I don't know that Joe Mauer ever won a playoff game. To be quite honest, I don't think he did. Amazing. I don't think he did. Um, so like those criticisms are valid. I mean, was it all his fault? No. I th- I thought for when he was the, when he was at his best, a lot of people still undervalued him because yeah. he doesn't hit home runs. Well, he's a catcher and he's he's Tony Gwynn basically. Um, on the other front. The other part of this comment, maybe you guys are so upset with the teams all the time because you've set unrealistic expectations of what is success. Well, we'll be very clear. Our expectation of success, Judd's been alive for half a century. I've been around since the mid-80s, and we've been watching a lot of failure throughout the 90s, 2000s, 2010s, right? Our expectation is very clear. We want titles, titles, championships, trophies what should be our those are our expectations all right my comeback is what should be our expectations we can still we still have fun watching things that fall short of championship success um but especially this wild team which gave us unexpected success to a playoff uh game seven but i guess if you're setting expectations below championship that's fine you can but just know that like on our show when we get this upset about the twins, it's through the prism of our, we want them to win a championship. They've got a roster that was built to win a championship. They haven't won a playoff game since 2004, and now they're 12 games below 500 halfway through the season, right? Like, that's so short of championship, and that's where our angst comes from. Let's go back to where he says Maurer wasn't likable. Is Sano? Like, I, that makes no sense. Um, they both don't talk that much and joe didn't uh and they both aren't quoted much so like likability has nothing to do with this i I always thought joe was a bit of an odd guy but that didn't uh color the prism of how i thought about about him as a guy who in his prime was a a hall of fame catcher no question about it it's not like miguel sano is trying to curry favor with the beat people or the columnists so likability has zero to do with this. 
This is about production or lack thereof. Yeah. And and to like try to tie this back to, well, I didn't like Joe, but I like Miguel. Okay, my question is why? What's the difference? Also here, just just for fun, so Joe Maurer in his career was worth 52 and a half wins above replacement, and he retired at age 35 or so. 52 and a half wins above replacement. And he, and, and he didn't really – add much onto that in the last four or five years. He, most of that yeah. damage was like before the age of 30. Yep. Miguel Sano has been worth eight, according to Fangraphs. Eight wins above replacement and three yep. in his prime. So it's hard to compare the two. I always thought that Joe Joe definitely deserved criticism for yes. certain things. Um, probably could have been more of a vocal leader with some of those teams that needed it, but um, I don't know. I, for well, the most part, he, he got a bad rap because he didn't hit 40 bombs. Yeah, and it, but in some ways, I, in some ways, if you came to me and said, "Judd, you, you can have one of two doors here. Door one is the Mauer door, and you know what? We're going to be harsh when when we don't like how guys perform, and it might not always be fair, but we're going to be harsh, sort sort of Boston or Philadelphia like." Door two, it's the Miguel Sano door. And for the most part, it's fine. It, it, it's great, right? I mean, we get to go to the ballpark and watch him play. I'm taking door one. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm just saying, I'm not defending Joe. I'm just saying. In some ways, why don't we have more of that? Like right now would be a good time to dump on people. And instead, <laughs> and, but instead we run and I think it's a, I think it has something to do. And I don't know how exactly Phil with our passive aggressive nature here. There's some like, there's some type of defense mechanism to defend from some to defend these teams when things aren't going well. You don't need to do that. You can rip everybody. They deserve it. Yeah. The bullpen's yep. terrible. Hansel Robles is, I mean, <laughs> Hansel Robles is a bust, and he makes and and Colome shouldn't be on the team. So yeah, go right ahead, take the Mauer path. That's my point. Yep. Go down that path, folks. Very therapeutic. Uh, yeah, we got. There's more here too. We'll save some of this for for maybe next week. Catch the ball in center field next time or in left center. Just what catch the never, damn ball. This is first time playing baseball. You got to uh, back off. Back off. He's never, never, he's never, there's the lights are brighter, the stadiums are bigger. It's tough to see the ball. It's tough to see the ball. And then, and then, I mean, all the throw in though, like that to me, that's way more rippable. That's right. Well, it's not just rippable. If I'm Baldelli, I would have been furious about that. I'd rather put Astadio in center for the next game just to send a message than to put him back out there after what he did. That was, and and like that wasn't, and that didn't look like an excitable bad throw. I mean, it looked like he just picked it up. It's like, oh, oh, bleep and heaved it in. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. All right, feedback Friday here on Mackie and Judd. And don't forget the Score North app is brand new. It's awesome. You can find all of our content, podcasts, videos, Judd's written work. We even have some gift cards and rewards in there for people that use the app and a feedback section, too. If you want to just send us a video, if you want to send us a quick message, you want to send us pictures, whatever, you can do that through the feedback section of the Score North app. All right, we'll, uh, we'll see if the Twins can crawl out of this thing against Kansas City this weekend and get back to 10 games under 500. Mackie and Judd, Feedback Friday. Thanks for hanging out with us. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. 
Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, Where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.